Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. We begin with a disturbing story and a tragic end to the case of a missing young Abbotsford woman. Her body found in mission, police saying it was a homicide. Romina Dea is live in Surrey with more. Romina, a YouTube post is blaming drugs for destroying her life. Yeah, it's an extremely powerful post, Colleen, by a man who claims to be the victim's father. We're going to show you that video in a moment. But first, the murder victim has been identified as 22-year-old Chelsea Gautier, the mother of two little girls. IHIT says that she was targeted. Gautier was reported missing in Abbotsford on July 30th. Her body found on August 16th in Mission. Now, police are not saying what led them to the discovery I hit now asking the public to pay particular attention to when Gautier was last seen alive. I can tell you that on the morning of July 27th at approximately 1130, uh, Ms. Gautier was seen at a McDonald's restaurant in Abbotsford. Uh, the particular McDonald's restaurant is on Birkin and Birkin Crescent and South Fraser Way in Abbotsford. If it was not for drugs, marijuana, some people say, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. It killed my daughter. No, she didn't end up at a car accident. She, her life was taken because of this stuff. Kiss your kids an extra kiss tonight. Keep an eye on their social media. Watch out for them. When they say everything's okay, do a little bit more extra investigation to make sure everything is okay. Because you just don't know. They will hide things from you because they don't want, to, they don't want you to be ashamed. Not because they don't love you, because they don't want to get yelled at or... Just keep an eye on your kids. Now, IHIT is not releasing any information on a potential motive. Gautier does not have a criminal record. There is no information either on suspects tonight. Back to you. Romina, thank you. You are looking at live pictures from Global One over the Portman Bridge as the afternoon rush slowly winds down. It's a good bet this span and the Golden Years Bridge will be a lot busier next month. The NDP government is following through on its promise to eliminate tolls on both the Portman and Golden Ears effective September 1st. Undoubtedly a popular move, but it raises the question of how to deal with the lost revenue. Ted Chernecki is live in Port Coquitlam with details of the NDP's new plans. Ted. Yeah, Carly, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody other than perhaps a, a cynic who doesn't believe a politician today is capable of honoring an election promise. But a week from today, those tolls are history. So effective September 1st, we're eliminating the tolls on the Golden Ears and Port Man bridges. And just like that, an election promise kept. A big thank you to those voters south of the Fraser who basically put the NDP in power. 
Today's announcement was staged on a pier right next to a street called Argue, and argue they did. Those critics who say this was the wrong thing to do, even if it was an election promise. You have a revenue source, a pay-as-you-use revenue source, supporting infrastructure. This is going to come out of schools, it's going to come out of hospitals, it's going to come out of somewhere because money doesn't grow on trees. The electronic billboards were quick to herald the news, urging everyone to clear their Trio accounts. Except somebody forgot to tell Trio. I was wondering what they're going to do, but they're closed. And now I'm here, but the, the place is closed, and I'm not happy. The mayors aren't happy either. They have big plans to spend billions on infrastructure and are in the throes of coming up with so-called mobility pricing. Economists are being asked for ideas on how to relieve congestion, and removing tolls isn't one of them. We need to pay for the infrastructure. We need to spread the burden a little bit more effectively and manage it in such a way that it doesn't burden future generations, um, but it also means that people have an incentive to maybe look at different transportation modes and um, get the congestion off the road. The Portman opened in 2012 at a cost of $3.3 billion, but it's now a $3.6 billion bridge because the operating costs are higher than what the tolls were generating in revenue. And removing the tolls means taxpayers are now going to be asked for about $135 million every year, and it's going to have to come from somewhere. And Colleen, you remember that the NDP didn't promise to get rid of the tolls. They promised to get rid of unfair tolls. So it remains to be seen if we're going to see tolls again in the near future, but perhaps tolls deemed by the Premier and perhaps the mayors to be more fair. Back to you. Excellent point, Ted. Thank you. Well, the campaign promise to kill the tolls is likely one reason the New Democrats gained so much ground in the election. And a look at the political map shows us why. Keith Baldry is in Victoria with that part of the story. Keith. Yeah, Colleen, I'm going to go back to those uh, writing maps we had on election night to show you the impact, I think, that this promise had on the outcome of the election. First of all, here's the map of British Columbia, uh, largely a sea of liberal red, red for, for B.C. Liberals, orange for the NDP, uh, but that's province-wide. Once you get into Metro Vancouver, you can start seeing the surge in NDP support. That's the orange writings there, and particularly when we go to the eastern suburbs, and that's where it really starts to become apparent. So north of the Fraser, Burnaby, New West, Tri-Cities, and Maple Ridge, the the NDP able to take 10 ridings there, almost sweeping the entire region. Then going south of the Fraser, we see a similar pattern, north, particularly in Surrey, where the NDP is able to pick up a majority of seats there, along with Delta North. So clearly the people who drive the Portman Bridge live in these ridings and clearly voted for the NDP in much greater margins than they had in previous elections. In fact, the B.C. Liberals lost about six seats here to the NDP, I think, on this issue alone. You start doing the electoral math here, Colleen, and in those six seats, if they go back to the Liberal uh, win column, we'd have a completely different outcome today. The Liberals would be in government, not the NDP, but clearly I think the NDP can chalk up their election win in a big part to that promise to get rid of those unpopular tolls. All right, thanks for that, Keith. Firefighters are making progress against the latest wildfire to force a mass evacuation. The Philpot Road fire near the community of Joe Rich covers about 400 hectares and is still burning out of control. But the blaze has subsided to mostly a smoky ground fire without significant flames. Ground and air crews are making headway in the steep terrain. The thick smoke is preventing fixed wing aircraft from working the blaze. But helicopters are in the air. The evacuation order that forced more than a 1,000 people out of their homes is still in place. About 300 people have registered at an evacuation center in Kelowna. No word on when they'll be able to go home. At this point, no buildings have been damaged. 
Thanks to working smoke detectors, they're alive, but, well, they've lost just about everything. Eleven people were burned out of their home by an early morning fire in Surrey. It broke out just before 3 o'clock this morning. Flames shooting from the roof of the two-story house near 84A Avenue and 122nd Street. Luckily, everyone got out safely and crews were able to keep the flames from spreading to other homes. Today, Vancouver firefighters used a special pet oxygen mask to help revive a dog discovered in a house fire. And no one was injured in the fire on the 2200 block of Upland Drive, but two dogs were found inside after firefighters knocked the flames down. The house suffered extensive damage, but both pets are okay. You know what, we know that pets are uh, part of everybody's family too, and uh, you know we're here to save lives, and obviously people are our priority, but anytime you can save another part of the family, the pets, it's, it's important to us and important to the family. I appreciate they, they help to uh, provide the oxygen for them. Yeah. And they look, they are looking fine now. I'm happy to see them, they are okay. Well, some shocking pictures tonight that show how a seemingly harmless prank can have irreparably devastating effects. The father of a North Vancouver boy who was hit in the eye with an egg is speaking out about his son's devastating injury. And it turns out it was not an isolated incident. Global's John was at the scene of another close call. John. Well, we're here near Sutherland Secondary School where there's still shells on the ground after an egging incident last night. And considering this is just days after a 13-year-old was dropped to the ground with a serious injury to his eye. Police say this is a major source of concern. <laughs> it's an age-old prank many chalk up to immature fun. Drive, 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 drive. Nothing funny about what happened to Matthijs van Bylen's eye. The white of the eye was actually cut open, which I thought led me to directly, let's get to the hospital, this is worse than I expected. The 13-year-old struck in the face Monday night while walking near his North Vancouver home. Dropped to the ground bleeding. The culprits just drove away. A different attitude would be, oh, we're being stupid, we made a mistake. Boys on the ground, let's stop the car and see if this kid's okay. But no, they just sped away. RCMP now saying this is just one of a series of incidents in North Vancouver this month. The latest Thursday evening, where a 14-year-old was targeted walking near Sutherland Secondary School. Police looking for a group of people driving a black SUV. We have what someone just said here, a serial agar. As you can see, we have three or four incidences, and are, are they all connected? We believe they probably are. For Matthijs van Bylent, the damage is done. It was treated very seriously because of the damage uh, to the eye and the optic nerve, and behind there, the eggshell literally got into the, into the eye, and um, significant damage is there. While recovery looks positive, most of the teen's summer plans are ruined. Now it's okay, he's missed a month of his summer and first couple weeks of school because he's essentially told not to move or be active. So it's affected him in greater ways even than the injury. So the message for those trying to be cool with a carton of eggs, the consequences make this stupid prank far from innocent. Now the North Vancouver RCMP say they have spoken to an 18-year-old person of interest who does have a family member that also owns a dark SUV they say this is early on in the investigation, but they are hoping to follow up on that lead. Back to you. All right, John, thank you. If you plan to drive in downtown Vancouver this weekend, be prepared for some serious congestion. Global's Nadia Stewart is live in Vancouver. And Nadia, Deadpool 2 is causing some serious problems at downtown again. 
Yeah, a number of streets in the downtown core are going to be affected on both Saturday and Sunday. And here's the reason why. Take a look at this video uh, shot by our Global One shopper earlier today out in uh, Ridge Meadows, the airport out there. Film crews practicing the stunt that they are going to be doing here. The real deal will be filmed downtown uh, on Saturday and Sunday. But that means, of course road closures. So from five in the morning until one in the afternoon on Saturday and Sunday, West Georgia between Howe and Butte will be shut down. And then brace for the intermittent traffic delays. Thurlow between Robson and Melville, Burrard between Alberni and Melville, Hornby between Robson and Dunsmuir as well. And there are also some detours that you're going to have to deal with if you're heading downtown. Eastbound traffic on West Georgia will detour west, uh, sorry, onto West Pender. Northbound traffic on Georgia will detour north onto Seymour and west on to Dunsmuir and then everybody's favorite nightmare parking of course so on all of those streets parking will be affected so if you're heading downtown pay attention to the parking signs pay attention to the restrictions or better yet leave the car at home and just take the train take transit Colleen Back good to advice you. thanks so much for that BC teachers won their fight for smaller class size and that's exactly what has to happen for the new school year it's already proving challenging to find enough teachers in B.C. to staff those classrooms. And now B.C.'s biggest school district has a new problem to deal with, one that could mean big changes for kids and parents. Why September is shaping up to look very different in just over a minute. Preparing for Harvey, the hurricane is being described as life-threatening and is predicted to be the most powerful storm to make landfall in more than a decade in the U.S., and caught on camera, the volcanic eruption in Costa Rica researchers have been waiting and watching for. We have those stories coming up later in the newscast. Well, only about a week and a half until the start of the new school year, but B.C.'s biggest school district may not be ready. The court ruling on class size means many schools are relying on portables, but they're proving hard to come by. Jennifer Palmer reports on what that could mean for staff, students and parents in an already overcrowded district. More portables, a common sight in Surrey schoolyards, and they're springing up quickly. Currently, there are 275. By October, there will be 325. Well, it's just sad that we need the extra classroom space, that the city's growing so big and we don't have enough schools to accommodate all the new students that are coming in. Surrey is the biggest school district in B.C. with about 72,000 students, but there's not enough room for them all. Parents are frustrated. They're not ready. There's not all the portables aren't in place. And they're going to have to utilize common areas in the schools to accommodate students that are not actual classrooms. Decreasing portables and building more schools is one of the NDP's main promises. Last year, John Horgan saying if they ran the province, they'd set a zero portable target. They've been at the helm for a few weeks and the target may be missed. It could take okay. longer than four years. It could, but uh, we don't want to concede that in week five of the government. But we did not anticipate the Supreme Court so aggressively slapping down liberal policy. Education Minister Rob Fleming was in Surrey during Hazel Grove Elementary with school officials discussing how to build schools fast. It's important with a thousand new kids growing in enrollment every year that we get ahead of the curve and start to reduce portables. Uh, you know, within a couple of years' time, and I, I, I think we can do that. We've been playing catch-up for some time. There's been a significant investment over the last few years, and we hope it continues and uh, perhaps uh, even uh, increases. In Surrey, 7,000 students are in portables, 
50 are being added for this year. They're expected to all be installed by the end of September. Jennifer Palma, Global News. It is not how some Abbotsford residents wanted to wake up early this morning. Have a look. The driver of a pickup is facing charges after he lost control, turning off Fraser Highway and ending up inside this group home. And the vehicle fishtailed, sending it flying through a fence and a garage door before coming to a stop in the living room. Those inside the home were shaken but otherwise unhurt. No word on what caused the crash, but excessive speed is believed to be a factor. Well, a horrible situation for both patient and those who love him. A terminally ill man on Vancouver Island is being cared for by his family because well, they have no other option. He's been waiting for months for a hospice bed in Courtney. But as Nitu Garcha reports, the family's been told there is nothing to do but wait for someone else to die. I am not... Tracy Stodgill cherishes every moment with her dad. But she wishes he wasn't at home. Hi, Dad. David Matthews is terminally ill. He was diagnosed with leukemia in April, and the family has been waiting months to get him hospice care. There's a wait list, but there's no beds available. So we basically have to wait for someone to pass away. The other alternative, the hospital ER. My doctor told me... Um, Sometimes it takes weeks, and I just can't imagine him laying in emergency like that. The situation, they say, is painful, frustrating, and difficult. Stodgill says she quit her job in the Lower Mainland and moved to the island, now helping her mom, Marion, look after her dad. They say he's bedbound as of a few weeks ago and requires 24-hour care. I can't afford to have someone come at night. Stodgill and her mom take shifts sleeping beside David. Sometimes he'll wake up with his um, hallucinations. They say they get home care twice daily, but are still exhausted. It causes him distress. The situation not unique to this family, and they say it's unacceptable. This is an issue that the government needs to address. In a statement, the ministry said in part there are currently 57 end-of-life beds on Vancouver Island and demand in the region may be outstripping supply. Ten new hospice beds will be added on the island this budget year and next, adding the ministry will be reaching out to the Matthews family about their situation. But with only four hospice beds in the Comox Valley, Stodgill is worried by the time help arrives, it may be too late. Neetu Garcha, Global News. So sad. It's not a new crisis, but there's been a spike in overdose deaths in recent weeks. The disturbing trend that has health authorities issuing a new kind of warning. But first, we have some news about Victoria's bid to host the 2022 Commonwealth Games. Global News at 6 continues. It held the promise of bringing back that Olympic feeling, but the people behind the latest attempt to bring a major international sports competition to B.C. have been forced to drop out of the race. Kristen Robinson tells us why Victoria's bid to host the 2022 Commonwealth Games has died. Victoria 2022, we believe! Believing right until the end. The Victoria 2022 Commonwealth Games bid committee releasing this video the same day the province announced it would not support the bid. We believe. The NDP government saying too many details remain unknown about the costs and risks of hosting such a massive event. Disappointed. I was hoping for a new velodrome out of the deal. In these hard economic times, it's good to have something that's exciting. I just don't think Victoria needs it. Victoria successfully hosted the games in 1994. While the infrastructure remains 
23 years later, upgrades are needed to host an event that's twice as big. This is not 1994. We're in a new world where security is an enormous issue, cost overruns could, could be down the road. Victoria fast-tracked its bid after Durban, South Africa, ran out of money. Winning the games would have been a big boost to tourism, but some say the tight timeline, too risky. We cannot afford overruns, unfortunately. We're just not a big enough community in Greater Victoria to be able to take that on. The business plan would have required $400 million each from the province and Ottawa, with local municipalities supplying $25 million in cash and in-kind service. There was a provision in this ask saying, oh, by the way, any cost overruns, we want you guys to pick up the tab. We just can't be writing blank checks for taxpayers. It's too much money. Victoria will have another chance to back a bit ahead of the 100th anniversary games in 2030, while Liverpool and Birmingham still in the race for 2022. Liverpool, 2022. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, it's still full steam ahead for the PNE, heading into another busy Friday night, and that is where we find meteorologist Yvonne Shell right in the middle of my favorite and one of the most popular places at the fair. Yvonne? Uh- and I can see why, because there's a bunch of cuteness here, Colleen. I'm with Christine Kerr, who's here at the PE. Uh, please introduce who we have here this evening. This is Catherine, and she is a two-month-old Nubian goat. All right, and the baby, the name for a baby goat would be a kid. All right, and I'm going to feed her quickly. We're going to give this a little bit of an attempt. Oh, up, 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 up. Okay. And she's quite hungry. A few of the other animals that we have down here, real quick. We've got everything from baby chicks to bison and uh, buffalo, uh, draft horses. We've got everything in the barns here at the livestock. Okay, we're going to come back and we're also going to be featuring another animal. So, Colleen, you'll have to stay tuned. And as we can see, Catherine is very hungry this evening. Back to you. So adorable. Thanks, Yvonne. All right, coming up, some disturbing new findings in our overdose epidemic that show just how it's affecting all levels of society. Plus, a volcanic eruption caught on camera, how it's affecting Costa Rica's economy and preparing for the worst, the worst hurricane to hit the U.S. since 2005. It's just been upgraded. Why people are being warned to leave the area immediately as Global News at 6 continues. You are looking at a live shot of the Gulf Coast of Texas and the rapidly deteriorating conditions as Hurricane Harvey inches closer to the state. And time is running out for those in the path of the hurricane. It is just hours from hitting southern Texas. The concern now that many people may have chosen to stay, a decision that could prove deadly. Tonight, a stubborn, meandering and powerful Hurricane Harvey is lashing the Texas coast about to make landfall as the strongest storm to hit this state in nearly half a century. I think it's going to be really bad. My, my whole street's probably going to be extremely flooded, underwater. Winds up to 125 miles an hour, life-threatening storm surge up to 12 feet, and torrential rain for days, as much as three feet in some areas. Population centers further inland, such as Houston, are bracing for historic flooding. A lot of people are going to go a long time uh, without access to basic necessities, uh, without access perhaps to uh, water, power, food. In parts of the Gulf, there's a run on supplies, gas, and patients. At this evacuation center, more than 700 people scramble to board buses from Corpus Christi to San Antonio. Among them, Ashley Williams frantically trying to get her six-week-old daughter to safety. If our stuff was, I mean, they're material things. We can always get that back. But 
I'm not willing to risk my child's life. In Port Lavaca, Yolanda Morales rushed to get out with her husband on dialysis. I haven't even slept. So I'm scared. Some low-lying areas under mandatory evacuation orders. Not everyone's leaving. We just don't want to leave our houses. You know, we just want to stay here. But Harvey is massive. These eye-popping images from the International Space Station. In the Gulf, oil companies shut down production, so experts now say gas could spike 10 to 20 cents. The Galveston Ship Channel also shut down, causing an offshore traffic jam. Fears of flooding stretching from Texas to Louisiana, where in New Orleans, 14 drainage pumps aren't working. There is no place for complacency when you have a monster storm in the Gulf of Mexico. And the people here know that. You have to stay vigilant. For those in Harvey's path, time is running out before landfall. A volcano in Costa Rica's National Park erupted yesterday, and researchers caught it all on camera. For about three hours, the eruption sent a plume of vapor and gas into the air. The volcano has been active for the past several months. The surrounding park has been closed since April, causing a major loss of income to local tourism. ISIS is claiming responsibility for a deadly attack on a Shiite mosque in Kabul, Afghanistan. One of three attackers blew himself up at the gate as worshippers attended Friday prayers. The other two stormed the mosque and opened fire. Authorities say at least 20 people were killed, 50 others were hurt. The gunmen were killed after a nearly four-hour gun battle. It's the second time this month ISIS has claimed responsibility for an attack targeting Shiite worshippers in Afghanistan. In health news tonight, Fraser Health is issuing a warning about a spike in overdose deaths. In the past week alone, 17 people have died, nearly 70% in private homes, hotels and motels. Health officials are also noticing a disproportionate number of those affected are men who work in the trades. Many of uh, folks that are uh, uh, using uh, uh, substances and are overdosing in private residences are actually in the trade industries. So we have started partnering with uh, schools, technical schools, employers, and associations to look for interventions and to connect with these individuals early on. Coming up next, he has scoured the interweb so you don't have to. Squire has this week's edition of Satellite Debris. That's coming up, but first. I pulled on it and I said, wow, that, that looks like there's some wood there or a log there or something. Yeah, the teardown that is now a delicate restoration project. Wait until you see what one couple discovered behind the walls when Global News at 6 continues. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Right now, it's looking like it might be a little more difficult than we have planned. Yeah, that's an understatement. A couple in the U.S. bought a teardown, or so they thought. What they found inside that has dramatically changed their plans. We'll have that story for you right after we get the forecast from Yvonne Shell, who is live at the PNE tonight. Yvonne. Hi, Colleen. We're trying to wrangle Misty, and this is a donkey here. We're back with Christy uh, Kerr, who's here at the PNE. And she's, you know what, we've had a couple of accidents all within a minute. Real quick, uh, talk a little bit about some of the features that are down here at the livestock farm. We have everything from baby donkeys to um, baby chicks. She's good. We have draft horses up in the Agrodome, the miniature chuck wagons, Discovery Farm. 
All sorts of stuff. All right. We have Misty, who's going a little bit crazy Misty, for a camera. I know. I think that she's just a little bit camera shy. Okay, yeah. we're going to give Misty a break. I'm going to go to the forecast. We might get a shot of you at the end. Okay, let's get right to the forecast and what we're seeing out there this evening. It is fantastic, and it'll continue to be this way as we get in towards the latter half of the weekend, and temperatures are really going to warm up. So as we take a look right now at our current conditions, uh, we are still seeing temperatures closer to 21 degrees for most areas. A southwesterly wind right now at 9 kilometers per hour. High today, closer to 21. That's where we should be for this time of the year. And a record on this day, 28 degrees, and that was set back in 1987. We do have a belated anniversary this evening, and this is going out to Barry. Betty, rather. I'll have that up coming up very shortly. But our current temperature is 25 right now for Canloops, 19 for Victoria, and Prince Rupert currently sitting at 14 degrees. Here's the satellite and radar. We've got a couple of weather stories that are following. North and Central Coast will see rain for both days out of the weekend. Inland sections, it's a chance of showers. And much of the central and southern half of the province will be benefiting from a ridge of high pressure that is in place. For the piece tomorrow, though, it'll be dry, but we do have a southwesterly wind with gusts of up to 60 kilometers per hour and a high of 21 degrees. Whitehorse, we could see a slight chance of showers and a risk of a thunderstorm and the wind gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. It's coastal sections that we are seeing that rainfall over the next two days. It could be occasionally heavier, heavier rounds rather, and then it'll taper off, and that'll be on Monday, but it looks to be wet for your weekend. Caribou and Central Interior, we still have local smoke, but a chance of showers, all courtesy of that system that's just along the coast. It'll be similar for Sunday and dry once again on Monday. Columbia and Kootenai region, temperatures are on the rise. UV index will be at 7 or high, with a high of 30 degrees for tomorrow. And most spots, as we get in towards the southern interior, will see the heat Sunday, Monday, and leading in towards next week, we still have plenty of sunshine and temperatures tomorrow up to 29 degrees. Whistler with the range between 26. Pemberton was closer to 30 degrees for tomorrow. It's even hotter for our Sunday, Monday. So tomorrow, we are seeing temperatures still around seasonal for a few spots, and then it does really start to heat up. Closer to the water tomorrow for the south coast and the island at 20 degrees. Inland sections will be at 24. And for us across Metro Vancouver, things are heating up. It'll be hot for our Sunday, Monday. And once again, Participation is helping Canada celebrate 150, 150 years with 150 ways to stay fit. And today's suggestion, Colleen, is disc golf. So we're at the Livestock Barn. This is a great attraction if you want to come down with the family. And it is free with admission. Awesome. Back to you. So much fun. Thanks for that, Ipon. Okay, a home demolition project has become an exercise in historic preservation. A couple was planning to tear down what they thought was an outdated home they had recently bought in a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. But when the demolition work began, they found a largely intact two-story log cabin underneath, dating back to, get this, the early 19th century. The fireplace was put together without mortar, just dirt. And handmade square nails have also been found. We believe that the, that the cabin is probably 1820 to 1840. But it really kind of belongs to history. It really doesn't, you know, belong to us. Yeah, they've donated the cabin now to the city. It's now being dismantled piece by piece and is being stored until a new spot can be found to reassemble it. Isn't that cool? I need that Mike Holmes guy to go in there and help him out. He might bring a sledgehammer and that one might be <laughs> the wrong way to go about it. <laughs> So tomorrow night, speaking of sledgehammers, yeah, you getting that pay-per-view? No. Oddly enough, I won't. I'm, I'm going to be in bed. I'm going to be doing really, the morning oh, show. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Forget it. Okay. Uh, but you know what? Today mm -hmm. was the last chance for both McGregor and Mayweather to trash talk or perhaps 
trash scream before the fight. Oh, goodness. I think that's Irish for I'm gonna win. I think that's what that meant. Uh, and of course, it's Friday, Squire. So another scintillating edition of your satellite debris. I we'll be there. Not wait. Stay with us. <laughs> hey, Lions! Whitecaps are both playing tomorrow. Okay, I was wondering who's gonna who's gonna. You know what? It's your segment. You I talk. march to music no one else can hear. This is true. Okay. This is true. I had to point that out. Uh, after five straight games against Western teams, the BC Lions get to go back tomorrow and feast on the East. Or at least that's what they hope they can do against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Now, you might remember very early in the year the Lions had a three-game win streak. Actually, it was four. But they had three straight wins when they played three straight games against Eastern teams. The only Eastern team they have not played this year the Red Blacks, who of course are the defending champions, but they're not exactly playing like defending champions. Mind you, the Lions aren't exactly living up to their promise of late either. Uh, we're, uh, we're not where we want to be, but um, you know, we, we know that we're a better team than what we've shown. Why aren't you where you should be? Uh, just lack of execution. Um, obviously, uh, you know, the offense has been a little slow, and I, I put that a, lo- a lot of that on me, but. Um, you know, you go through uh, ups and downs in the season, and, uh, you know, we just got to pull together. And, and right now, we're in good spirits. We know that we have a good football team. Uh, we've done this many times, responded well, and, uh, you know, I, I trust this football team. Hey, it's Blitz leading the uh, Seahawks out onto the field. Week three preseason, this is when you see a lot of the starters. Seattle, Kansas City, Richard Sherman. Now that's how you tackle. That is a lesson in tackling safely and properly and tackling hard. And this is pretty good too. K.J. Wright blowing up a third and one by the Chiefs. Okay, Seahawks score the first touchdown. Trey Madden has got to go low for this one. Fingertip catch, TD. So Seattle's up 13-3. So they kick the ball off. And this uh, De'Anthony Thomas guy. Look at him go. 20, 25, 30, 40, 50. Now it's a track meet. Wow. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown. Halftime, Seattle leads by 6. Well, you know that old idea to keep you from being nervous in front of a crowd that you should picture all the people in front of you in their underwear? Well, if you're a boxer, it's quite the opposite because at a a pre-fight weigh-in, The audience is fully dressed, and you're the one standing in your underwear. And not only are are you in your underwear, you have to act tough as well. They did the weigh-in today for Mayweather and McGregor, and both made weight and both looked tough and talked tough in their underwear. 153. It won't go the distance. Mark my word. I'll stop my foot right in the center of that ring. I won't go nowhere other than the center of that ring. So let's go. Let's see who can take it. He's over there twiddling his thumbs, twitching away. I see a man afraid. That's it. We'll see you tomorrow. Connor, thank you. <laughs> Calm down. Well, that's what they got to do. Hey, you're standing in your underwear. You got to get fired up. Uh, tomorrow's McGregor Mayweather fight could end up being the most wagered bout ever. Most wagered on bout. Why? Because McGregor is such a big underdog. He's the choice of the casual, smaller, better. Because 
If you bet on him and he happens to win, you'll make a healthy profit. The big bettors love this as well because Mayweather should win this fight. So they look at him as easy money, even though a win would not pay a better that much. Example, yesterday someone walked into Vegas, bet a million dollars on Mayweather to win. But here's the thing. He is such a heavy favorite, that million-dollar bet will only give that better a profit of around $182,000. So someone is risking a oh. million to win 182. Gutsy. But Mayweather says, that's such a good bet, he might make the same bet himself. Absolutely. I'm betting on myself. I'm betting it won't go. And I'm pretty sure that uh, McGregor talked about that he's going to bet, but he won't bet. One thing about Floyd Mayweather, I can fight. I'm not 49 and 0. For no, uh, for no reason. Why is it every boxer speaks about himself in third person? Jordan Spieth had to sign a glove for this guy. Why? Here's why. At the Northern Trust, a little tee shot here goes astray. And that man you just saw in the red shirt, oh, right in the kidneys. That's an owie. But he got a free glove out of it, so don't complain. Uh, Spieth, long putt for Bird. Counted. This is a good-looking leaderboard. He's on top at minus six. So is Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, Jonathan Vegas. Rory McIlroy makes the cut thanks to something like this. Adam Hadwin missed the cut. He's had a rough go of it lately. Five missed cuts in his last six. Nick Taylor missed the cut as well. Uh, Brooke Henderson did make the cut at the uh, CP Canadian Women's Open in Ottawa. She had not a very good first round, but rallied today to get it to plus one. This is our shot of the day. Mo Martin... She's at six under par. She's two behind the leader, In G. Chung. Beauty. All right. It's uh, Players Weekend, so you get to put whatever you want in the back. Some people are the train. You can put whatever you like. That's like the old XFL, when that guy had He Hate Me on the back. Oh. Remember that? No? All right. Justin Smoke. I mean, yes, the Jays are pretty much done this year, but that's his 35th home run of the season. They are still down, though, 5-1 in the 8th to Minnesota. And he didn't get a wild-card spot, but Denis Shapovalov has played his way into the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament. He becomes the Canadian to watch with Milos Ronic out with a bad wrist, although Vancouver's Boshik Pospisil will be there, too. There you go. Great. All right. That was fun. Wasn't it, though? All right. <laughs> And Trua has a look of what's coming up tonight on Global News at 11. And thanks, Colleen. And friends and family of six-year-old Kira, who passed away almost two weeks ago following a two-year battle with cancer, are gathering in Maple Ridge tonight for a candlelight vigil. What makes her story worse? Thieves stole some irreplaceable mementos from the parents' vehicle. And we continue to follow the murder of Chelsea Gauthier. Police still looking for the killer of the Abbotsford mother. We'll hear from her family tonight when you join us at 11 o'clock. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much for that, Anne. It is Friday. Don't go anywhere oh, because your work is not done oh, here. Time for satellite debris. Stay with us. <laughs> Is that your karaoke move? No, okay. we were doing a little karaoke here All uh, right. in the commercial break, but we've got some important information for you now. Yeah, time to run commercials <laughs> before the commercials. Oh, um, two new ones here. Hungry Jacks is what Burger King is called in Australia because apparently there was a Burger King franchise, so when they went down to Australia, they called it Hungry Jacks Interesting. instead. Interesting. So we have a Hungry Jacks commercial and one for an English betting site. I think it's called Quiff. Here we go. <laughs> Make your burger cow smoothie, namaste.
the plate in front of you. Are you seriously going to eat that? You're not like them, are you, Patrick? You crave something more, something substantial. You need to keep it real now. Run. Run like the wind, be free. So close, yet so far. Run, busy little feet. Congratulations, Patrick. You made it. Welcome to Uncle Jack's. Can I get a walk back into this? The burgers are better at Hungry Jack's. That there on the phone is Quiff, the sports betting app. Where every time you place a bet, your odds might get quiffed. What does getting quiffed feel like? It feels like catching a glass before it hits the ground. And the catch is so amazing that you never stop holding it. And you keep holding it. Forever. And ever. And you just never stop holding it. And everyone's like, why is he always holding that glass? Until they find out that you caught it when you opened the cupboard. And once they understand that, they think, oh, I get it. That's the best feeling available to a human being. And that, more or less, is Quiff. Okay, wait, what, what is Quiff? It's some sort of betting site, I think, on your phone. Holy smoke. I watched that whole commercial and I was waiting That often for... happens. What? These commercials are, are so interesting, you don't even know what the product but is. But esoteric. I know. And, and probably well-branded, um, I'm going to guess. I'm gonna do, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to run another commercial where it's like, what's this for? It doesn't matter what it's for because we just liked watching it. Okay. I guess. All right. Anyway, one-hit wonder, Dexy's Midnight Runners. At least it was one-hit wonder over here. Come on, Eileen, featured in right. this... Ab, here we go.
I'm guessing baby products. I'm guessing, yeah, and, and I think in England you'd probably recognize that oh, logo. Yes, you'd yeah, know exactly I, I, what the heck yeah. that was. Not turning away from that commercial that was cute. Yeah. 